Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Rhonda, and I have my special guest today, Mr. David Jennings. He is a rock star. I actually met him over the course of a, listening to his audiobook. He has a written book, and I fell in love with it. It was already a subject that was near and dear to my heart, as you can see. We're talking about systems today. So, uh, David, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks, Rhonda. What a fantastic introduction. Very much looking forward to our, our call today. Well, I, I didn't intentionally do too much of an introduction because I want everyone to kind of hear it from you. Plus, I really love your Australian accent. So <laughs> I, the less I talk, the better. The more you talk, it makes me happy. So tell um, everyone uh, a little bit about your history and mm. how you ended up kind of navigating your way over into this world of being a, a systems junkie, I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I feel systems have been sort of in my vein since day one, and all of the businesses I've involved been involved in, there's elements of systems in it. I was in the stock market education space. We had a rock and roll clothing music store, which we were trying to model off Hot Topic out of the US, but we were doing it here in Australia. Um, I uh, had been doing some uh, work online as well. And all systems were sort of integrated with it as I was going. But my most recent business or my last business before I moved into the system space was uh, the digital marketing space. And I owned a company for 13 years in the end, but I was probably stuck in the day-to-day -day operations for at least 10 of those years. Because even those systems were, you know, uh, in me and I'd seen them work in other systems like the rock and roll clothing music store. We franchised it and we went through all of that process. But for some reason, the digital agency, I thought this business is different. Um, you can't systemize this business. It moves too quickly and we're creative and my team won't follow the process anyway. So what's the point of putting the processes oh, in place? All the excuses. <laughs> That's right. And I, I, for whatever reason, that kept me trapped in the business for 10 years. And it wasn't until we found out we were going to be pregnant. And I thought, no, I need to really change the way I'm doing things and re-looked at systems, challenged all of those misconceptions and had a huge breakthrough with that business, stepped out of the day-to-day, -day, took a year off, um, put a lady in who ran it for three years before we ultimately sold that business. Wow. And in that process, that's what made me realize there's just the whole topic of business systems is so undercooked when it comes to yeah. teaching business owners how it's done. And most business owners don't see themselves as systems people. They don't necessarily like systems and process. And it might be different in the medical industry. I'm not sure, but um, no. none yeah, of us like little, it either. More. And, yeah. and the reason is in part, and I always say, and I think this is true for those of us that are in the healthcare space, we love helping people. We do not like notes. We do not like charts. We do not like the day-to-day -day admin. We just, in general, it's not our favorite thing to do. We'd rather sit down, connect with someone, help them with their digestive issues or help them with their headaches or, 
you know, do acupuncture, whatever yeah. it is that we want to do that. Nobody wants, who wants to sit down and write a spread system? Yeah. It's funny. I, uh, in the digital agency, one of the biggest breakthroughs I had was uh, we had a, like a, a sister company as part of that business that was a video business. And I remember when we first started that, cause I'm not a camera guy, I don't know how to shoot or edit or do yeah. any of that. And I, the videographer at the time said, oh, can you come out on a shoot with me? I just need a hand for this particular shoot. And I said, no worries. So I hopped in the car and it was about 45 minutes away from the office. And the entire trip, he's going, oh, did I pack the second battery? Did, have I got that other lens? Did I email the client to remind them not to wear checkered shirts on screen because that looks rubbish? And he went through all of these things that just should have been handled. Yeah. And then I said to him, look, at the end of that shoot, we're going to put a, a shoot checklist in place. So next time, before you go to a shoot, when you're at the office, you can run through everything the night before, make sure it's all done. And then you can focus on the job at hand on your next shoot. And about six months later, I go on a shoot with the same videographer. And I remember the discussion in the car was so vastly different. Ah. He was saying, oh, how do I get the best responses from the actors and what shots do I want to frame and what's the mood I want to get across and what lighting are we going to sort of try and create this certain feeling and it made me realize at that point in time and it'd be the same with your healthcare practitioners for you to do your best work when you're sitting down with a client and they're telling you their um, symptoms and problems and you're listening you need to be in that moment you don't need to be thinking oh did we fill out the chart correctly. Can I remind them to, yeah, all of those things. Oh, that is such a great, that's such a great story. And it's really true that there's so many things. And I have to say, as you were talking about a checklist, that was the number one thing when I listened to the audio book. And then later, as I told you off camera, I went and bought the book and I will do that when I find enough value in the audio book that I want a paper copy to be able to mark up and highlight and dog ear the pages and all the things we do to books, right? I loved it that much. But the one thing that I took away that has been transformational for me, I mean, it, uh, completely transformational is this concept of a checklist. Yeah. And it's so easy to do, but I re- the checklist allowed me to get my brain straight about what needed to happen in a certain situation, like with the videographer, I could get my brain kind of like lined out. Okay. First this, then this, then this, but each one of those things on the checklist then became a system. Yes. And And I was able to kind of come in the back door with it. At least that's how it worked really well for me and my brain. So the checklist, I have so many checklists. I, I, I have a checklist for every little thing and I, and I love it. I just keep all the checklists, but before we go any further for someone who's saying, okay, uh, I don't even know what a system is. Let's start there. Well, the idea of um, a business system, I just talk about it in terms of uh, it's a series of steps that when followed create a consistent outcome. So that definition works quite broadly. Um, It's just a series of steps that when followed create a consistent outcome. And I think, uh, so we're not talking about software systems. We're not talking about you know, other types of systems. It's um, when I talk about business systems, I'm talking about, you know, the step-by-step. Now, oftentimes people have this picture in their head of what a system is. 
And uh, maybe, you know, often times I'll say, think of a systemized business and McDonald's or Amazon yeah. or Google yeah. all come into mind as these really well systemized businesses. And a lot of those businesses have been systemizing for such a long period of time. And their systems, you're looking at the output of a tremendous amount of work and you're looking at them where they are today. And then a lot of business owners or people go, oh, that's what a system is. Mm -hmm. But that's not where the system started. Exactly. So you, you kind of need to simplify. And a big part of this is just re-engineering what you think a system is. And just like um, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, Rhonda, it could be a simple checklist. It could be a little loom recording or zoom yeah. recording it could be a little dodgy video you do on your iphone or it's a an audio of you recording yourself or your receptionist answering the phone as it comes in like yeah. it's in the rawest sense it's just recording what is happening in the moment and then that can evolve into a checklist or a bulleted process but Try and not overcook it. Don't think it's this big, thick manual with line-by-line -line details and flow charts and screenshots and describing everything to a minute detail that even a 15-year-old yeah. can do it. Yeah, yeah. Turn on computer. Yeah. Unlock door. We don't need that. We just need to get them in the building and then get the system set up so that somebody knows what to do. Talk about these systems as it has to do with business valuation. Mm. So th there's plenty of reasons why someone might systemize. One of the big ones that does pop up um, is actually around exiting yep. and building up the value in your business. Um, but, but there's plenty of different ways to look at value and the value that systems bring. So systems will reduce waste. Systems will increase in efficiency. It'll um, you know start to reduce some of those errors um, and from a from a selling perspective, uh, what the potential buyer wants to do is is reduce their risk, yeah. and they want to make sure when I buy this business and all of the key team members walk out that door, is the business going to continue to operate? But if all of the IP walks out the door, exactly, because it's stuck between their ears of correct. the people that work there. Yeah, that's yeah. a bad plan. Same when you have a receptionist, and the receptionist knows everything. This is a big trap that the practitioners get into. Hire a receptionist, a front desk person, and they know everything, and then they quit. Yeah, or they and don't show up for work. Same, same kind of idea. And that's the big thing. People will come and go but yeah. the systems will remain with you as the business owner. So it's, right. it is your most important asset because it outlines how you do things here. And it's the way to quickly skill up and train up two new team members in the shortest possible time to, to make them productive and add value to the business. So your, your business is really right. like a training organization and systems are effectively the curriculum and the training that those Ooh. team members go through so to get good. up to, to speed very quickly. And I can see where there's a huge advantage if you do have that turnover rather than bringing in that new person, sitting them at the desk and saying, uh, okay, here's the phone and here's the computer. And this is a software we use to schedule. And here's a software we use to check them out. And here's the, 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 okay, I gotta go. I gotta get in with a patient. Good luck. 
Instead, when you've got, even if it's, as you say, a dodgy video or, you know, something, even if you just have some things written down, it can really make that new person's um, experience in the clinic or in the business so much better because they don't feel lost. They have at least have somewhat of a driver's owner's manual. And I always think of it in terms of the systems oftentimes are the 80% solution. So they'll teach that new receptionist 80% of what he or she needs to know. Then when the supervisor sits down or helps them out or answers questions, that person already has 80% of the way there and it's much easier. Not only that, if they have questions, all new people, when they start, they want to, if they've been taught something, they want to avoid looking stupid. So sometimes they don't ask you know, silly questions because they feel like, oh, that I'm going to be embarrassed. I should know that. Whereas if there's some sort of central location where a lot of the knowledge is stored, they can at least have a crack at answering their own questions in their own privacy. And um, again, it's about uh, reducing of errors. So you have uh, in the book, you talk about, and your book title is Systemology which is such a great term. It's sticky. I love it. Systemology. So great little blue book for those of you listening or watching, go get the book and you're going to love it so much. You're going to want to download it. So there it is. David's got a picture of it right there. If you're watching on YouTube. So in the book, you have a very specific kind of process that you walk people through for how to start creating systems, because it's, it can be very overwhelming. So in the, I remember this in the beginning of the book, um, you talk about how, you know, don't, don't get overwhelmed and don't feel like you have to create the McDonald's manual because that's the, those are all the minutia that has has evolved over many, many, many Mm -hmm. years, but you walk everyone through a very basic kind of step-by-step process. So can you kind of cover Mm -hmm. that in general, what that generally, what that looks like? Yeah, so with some of the process improvement methodologies that come before systemology, um, most of them, they are process improvement, which uh, pre-assumes you have a process to improve. Systemology actually comes before that. Uh, Systemology is not a process improvement methodology. Systemology is a process capture methodology. How do we capture what you're currently doing? What is best practice and bring everybody up to that stage? So how do you go from, you know, no systems or very low systems to something in place and and building the framework for a systems culture? So with that in mind, the systemology, the seven-step framework, the whole idea is helping reduce the overwhelm and go through a process of, well, where do you start? What are the systems that you start with? Who's going to create the systems? How do we make the creation of those systems easy? Where are we going to store those systems? How do we get the team on board? How do we scale and what systems are required for scale? And then lastly, we look at optimization. So it's this seven-step framework um, and we we call it uh, define, assign, extract, organize, integrate, scale, and optimize. Um, we We can go into particular ones, but I suppose it really depends on what you think might be most helpful. Well, I think one of the things that I hear from practitioners is they just get stuck knowing where to start. They don't even know where Mm. to start. Like, how do I even take what I do and start to make that into a system? Because in the, for practitioners, 
and I get this, like we think about it. Well, every patient I see is different. Every mm -hmm. patient I see is different, but we're not necessarily talking about a system that is for every single patient as it has to do with that interaction, because that's just a patient, you know, patient yeah. doctor relationship. This is what happens outside the treatment room in yeah. the hallway. How do you get the person from the waiting room to the front desk and then the front desk to the treatment room or what happens after they leave the treatment room and they leave? What does the follow-up look like? Well, then I'll start having these conversations with these doctors yeah. and then their eyes start to roll back in their head. They're like, oh, yeah. okay, I get it. And I don't know where to start. Yes. So yeah. What would you say to someone who just says, okay, I get what this is, but I guess two things, where do I start? And then why would I really want to do this? I understand mm. about the exit strategy. I understand that it helps me be efficient, mm -mm. but it's working. So, I'm doing so my job. I'm making money. I'm showing up. The people are happy. Patients are happy. Yeah. I'm happy. Why do I need to even do this? Yeah. So um, and maybe we deal with that one first, because once you get over the hurdle of why should you do yeah. this, then the next question is, okay, where do I start? Where do I start? So, exactly. Um, if why should we do this? A couple of things. If I think about the digital agency as a good one, um, with the digital agency, I built that up once we made the decision to systemize it and we got Melissa in to run the day-to-day. -day. Uh, I then took some time out and I kind of lost my passion for the digital marketing space. And I sort of started working on some other stuff, the system stuff, as we got that off the ground. And uh, I had no intentions to sell Melbourne SEO because Melissa was running it. I'd meet her every month and I'd get a payout every quarter as the owner with my profit distribution. And I thought, well, this is a nice little business. I'll just sit on it forever. And then uh, Melissa said, look, I've got a pulls me aside and says, look, I've got to fly back to the States. She was here in Australia, but a lot of family over in the US. Um, family emergency, have to go over. And when she returned, she said, look, I'm going to have to move back to the States. So I'm going to have to resign. Oh, dear. And I, yeah, I was in that point where I had no intention of selling, but I was then faced with that decision. Do I get pulled back into the business or yep. maybe this is the universe setting everything all up for me um, to kind of put a bookend on that business? And I sold that business and the two things that the um, person who bought the business cited, one was the financial performance and the second were the systems. And they said, it hasn't been running with you for three years and that's I'm buying all of that IP. So yeah. you don't know what is going to happen. You don't know if you or a family member is going to get hit by COVID or a staff member and they're out for three weeks or they right. get long COVID and it's even longer. Right. And right. now you've got this team member that all of the IP, maybe it's that front yeah. desk receptionist who knows absolutely everything. Now they're out of commission and you're, you're stuck. So if you think about it, business systems, they're a little bit like insurance. They kind of give you options. Not only do they help you in the moment to make things more efficient, but they save you when things go pear-shaped. And so when they, when the systems start to get implemented, I mean, obviously it takes some time to get this done. But where would you say then to start? So, okay, mm -hmm. I know what the value is. And, and before you answer that question, I want to say one thing to the practitioners that are listening as well. You know, you don't know, to David's point, when you're going to get, when either your staff member or you might get taken out and you have to go tend to a family thing or your spouse gets very ill and you just can't work or you become very ill. 
when those systems are in place, think of it like the structure or the foundation that enables, enables the business to run. So it's like the components of the engine. All you need is somebody to come in and turn the key on and the engine starts and all of the systems are the pistons and the belts and the things that keep the engine going. So if you have to leave, then having these systems in place means that you can call and get an, somebody to come in and do some, you know, fill in work for you. You can call a chiropractor to come in and fill in and the systems are all done for you. So yeah. the other thing that it allows you to do is to David's point, he took a year off. He yeah. just had it all lined out. And I think there's so much value in that because in healthcare, we are overworked and generally underpaid for what we do for the transformation that we deliver, but you get those systems in place and then you are able to like take off for six weeks, eight weeks, a quarter, and your business can run without you. You have one key person, just like a Melissa, you have that one key person that you check in with. I mean, what a life that is. Mm -hmm. So there's huge benefit here. So, all right, back to now we yeah. know why we need to do this. So what is the first step? How do we, how do we, how do we start to move this train forward and start to create these systems? The first step is they get the systemology book. No, yeah, seriously. I was just going to say, no, that's no, why no, no. the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke. Um, the, uh, the, the first step and you, to your point earlier, you hit the nail on the head on where you start. Think about it in terms of if the, the doctor or the practitioner, when they sit down with the patient, they're effectively creating the magic. That's the creativity. That's the bit that changes. They need to interpret what's happening in the moment with the client, right? And then making the best recommendation. Right. To start somewhere, systemize everything else around the magic. Because even if something happens Ooh, to the good. doctor, you're still, you're going to go and probably recruit another doctor to do that. Right. And we don't need to tell the doctor how to suck eggs. They already know how to do their, their magic. Yeah. And, and this is where some people get stuck when they think about, you know, McDonald's and they've systemized everything to the great detail and all that sort of stuff. But McDonald's is running a hamburger business that recruits 15 year olds and they have to teach them how to flip a hamburger within a weekend. Mm -hmm. Most businesses and, and the practitioners listening right now will recruit intelligent well-skilled, qualified right. team members who right. can come in. So the systems are more about the frameworks and how can that team member win and do well at their job. And what you want to do, if you had to start anywhere, we talk about it in the systemology book, you think about um, what would be a most probable scenario for when a client comes into the practice. So you might say, um, what is our ideal client? And you describe them, you know, they're a um, middle-aged man with two kids and he's got a back problem. I don't know what, depending on whatever it is, you think about what right. your dream client is for you. And then you think, what is the primary product or service? What is the first thing that they might get when they come in to first meet you for the very first time? Maybe it's like a full checkup or something like that. So or even like out, a free phone call. Sometimes yeah. they'll do that. Like let's like say a consult, consult or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So you think about who is the target audience, who is the, uh, or what is the primary product or service? And then all we do is we map the linear journey that that person goes through. How do we grab their attention? 
How do we handle the incoming inquiry? How do we book them into their session? Um, how do we, you know, is there any sort of onboarding required? When do we take payment? How do we book them in for the next session? And you just map that out on a, an A4 page and that becomes the starting point. And you just look at that and you say, where in this process is the pain? And you'll say, oh, you know, if I got a hundred more of these middle-aged men clients, uh, the first thing that's going to break down is the receptionist booking them in or, oh, you know, getting them to come back or whatever it is. And that's a great place to start. Think about what is dependent on you or where is the pain within that critical client flow and go there. The, the whole goal here, though, really, it's a, applying the 80-20. You want to find the 20% of the systems that deliver the bulk of the result yep. for the business. Yep. Start there. And remember, just because you don't systemize something doesn't mean it's going to magically stop happening in your business. It's right. already, your business is already kind going. of already working. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need to stress about, oh, if I miss this or that, I mean, we'll get to it in time. Just start off with dream client, dream product or service, and that'll keep you on track. So when you think about the dream client, identifying that, identify, it also includes identifying what their needs are. You know, do they, what do they need when they come in? Do they need a red carpet experience or do they just need to come in, pick something up at the front desk and then leave? There are different components of how you're going to interact with that, with that client. But I love what you said about looking for the place where it's going to break. Look at the place, the stress point. What did you call it? What was your word? You said pain point, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like a stress point. So if I got a hundred new people this week in one week, I got a hundred phone calls, where would it break? And it's going to break all over the place because you're used to getting two people per week. So don't go from two to a hundred. If you get two new patient calls every single week, think about what if I got 10? Yeah. See, that's a reasonable jump. What would happen if I got 10? Would I have enough room on the schedule? Would I have enough internal resources? Is my front desk person going to be able to do it? Am I going to be able to do it if I'm a solo practitioner? You know, what does that look like? See where your weak link is, where the stress point is, a stress fracture. And then you want to go in and try and shore that up with your system. How do you build the system Mm. to keep that from breaking? Had you not had that, then you turn the car on and all of a sudden you're going to have some clunk, clunk, clunking somewhere. I mean, it's not going to work well because the system's broken. And depending on um, the size of your practice. So if it's just you, then you would start off by systemizing everything around the magic, right? Because that's all of the admin stuff. And then probably one of the first hires you're going to get is an administrative assistant who would step in and help. And then once that happened, that frees you up with a little bit of extra capacity now to take on more clients. That's kind of like the first stepping stone. And then over time, you'll grow when, ah, well, maybe the next stepping stone after that, after you tap out on your capacity because you've got all the admin happening, great. Now we might need to plug another practitioner in. And it's just this game of slowly expanding capacity, slowly reducing key person dependency. And you want to turn this into a little bit of a game. And it's, it's really... Rather than playing the game of whack-a-mole where you're constantly solving oh, the same problems whack-a-mole again. Whack-a-mole is a bad game. It's no fun. No fun. Oh, you you want to write a system that whacks away. that mole once and for all because this is how we do things here. Yeah. And then you'll find if you play that game long enough where you're solving 
the problem at the systems level, at some point, your quality of problem starts to increase. The problem isn't, I need to remind Jenny when she answers that phone every single time to say, hello, thanks for calling mypractice.com because she always forgets. Now, if it's part of the system and the way that she's trained, you don't have to keep reminding her or each new receptionist that comes in. That means you get freed up to work on something bigger and it just becomes this escalation process. Yeah, which is how McDonald's and these other big corporations have ended up with these you know, volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of manuals because they continue to work on the higher level parts of their business. But none of us are at that level. We're just here wanting to love people and serve people and help them live better, productive, happier, stress-free, energy-filled lives. That's all we want to do. But back to the car analogy, like you have to run a business and in that business requires a little bit of organization, a little bit of system building so that we can be freer to do the work with the people that we love to serve and not get all caught up in the, did I email that client about that photo shoot? Did I tell him not to wear a checkered shirt? Did I, all that stuff is the stuff that clutters your head and it keeps you from being fully present. So if you imagine the health of your business. So your business is a system, much like the human body is a system. And there are a series of subsystems that sit inside the human body. There's the skeletal system, the muscular system. And if you think about your business, your business is a system. And then there are subsystems that sit underneath that. There's marketing, there's operations, there's finance, there's HR. There's these subsystems. Now, In the human body, if one of your systems fails or is weaker, it drags everything else down. And for a really healthy human body, you want to have all of the systems healthy. And it's the same in your business, except most practitioners, they're really great at operations, meeting with the clients and doing that bit. But they're neglecting the other subsystems, their finances rubbish, maybe their marketing's rubbish, maybe yet you need to have all of the systems firing for a healthy business. And that's the bit where systems tries to shine the light on these other areas of the business that you've really got to have nailed if you're going to build a business. Yeah. I, this is such a great conversation. I think this information that you're sharing with us has been gold. So I want to, as we wrap up, I want to make sure that everybody listening goes and buys a book. So that's number one. And if you're hardcore, get the audio book and the physical book, because you will want the physical book, but the audio book, it just helps. I've, I probably have listened to it three times, just put it on repeat and let it go because I didn't, yes, I start to create the systems. I get what I need to get out of it. And I go to work at that. And then I get that part done. And then I listen to the book again. I'm like, oh, see, just like what you said, David, like you, you, I solved this problem. Now I'm solving for a higher level problem. And I go, okay, now I can work on this system that I couldn't even imagine before because I didn't have the foundational stuff, just the basic operations and the basic HR and the basic marketing stuff. So where's the best place for them to get your book here in the yeah, U.S.? Just- Head to Amazon, run okay. a search for systemology. There'll be a link there to the Kindle, the hardcover, the softcover, or the audio version, whatever your preference. And um, yeah, if you need 
some further help beyond that, systemology.com. We've got some extra resources if you want to kind of go that next step after that. Yep. And then uh, beyond that, I will say, because I am a user and a lover, a user, um, David has also created some software. Um, so he's in the software business and he's created a system software that we actually use in two of my three businesses. And that's where all of our systems live. And it's pretty incredible. It's very robust. It works very well, but it's easy to use. So I wouldn't say start with that. Get the book first, start there, get the audio book, whatever your, your choice is there and start working through your systems. And as you get them written out and built out and stored, and you've caught them in a Dropbox folder, you're, that's not going to be efficient long-term, but to get started, it's a good start. And then when you're ready David's got some other software that you may be interested in. We love it. We absolutely love it. And that's in part why I wanted to have you on the podcast because we are big fans over here. Big fans. Thank you for the uh, kind words and, and your support. I, I mean, my mission is to, to free all business owners worldwide from the day-to-day operations of running their business. And that includes every listener listening to this. So I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to get this me- message across to you. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Again, David Jennings, you can find his book, Systemology, on Amazon. And when you get it, please go leave him a review. You know how important reviews are for us um, in business, for any business owner. So when you get value from someone or something, be sure that you leave him a review. So you have to buy the book in order to be able to leave the review on Amazon. So go be sure that you do that. You could just leave a review because I told you how great it is too. That's that's, you could do that too. But anyway, David, thank you so much for being on the show. I so appreciate it. Is there, do you have a social media presence that we can send people to? Yeah, look, there's a lot on YouTube uh, and we do have a podcast that just shares some systems Probably the best thing to do, systemology.com. Right down in the footer, there's the links to all the socials. You can ask questions. We're we're easy to get in contact with. That's what we'll do. So get on David's email list so you can get his updates, get the book, go to YouTube, like just make David and his work creating systems. Really incorporate that as part of your clinical practice and building a growing, thriving, and super profitable practice. So David, thank you so much. You're the best. Thanks for that, Rhonda. Thank you. So are you totally ready to go start rocking some systems in your business, baby? After that conversation, it makes me even more inspired and motivated to go and really dig into the things that I know that if I create those systems, that it's just going to make my business work even better. So if you love this podcast, please let me know, rate, review, subscribe, give me all the thumbs up and love. I love hearing back from you about what you love, the kinds of topics and whatnot that you're interested in. But this conversation with David Jennings was great. And be sure you go pick up his book because he's just a, such a wealth of information. And I appreciated so much that he was willing to come share his time and knowledge with us on the podcast. And then to close up, be sure that you register for this free webinar I'm doing coming up called Three Ways to Make an Extra $1,000 or More Every Single Month in Your Practice. The webinar is on August the 29th, 5 p.m. Pacific time on, that's a Monday. So you can register at rondanelson.com forward slash make more money. So rondanelson.com forward slash make more money. Just head on over there, get yourself registered and come and join me and learn how you can add these three simple ways to your practice without adding anything new 
and you can bump your revenue $1,000 or more if you do what I tell you to do. So hope to see you there. Otherwise, chat with you next week. Bye for now. 